Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Well, while Anthony Davis is probably celebrating all the way to the bank in Los Angeles, there's a whole bunch of the people on the West Coast today that are confused. They're scratching their heads. They're wondering, well, what happened here? I don't quite understand. What does this mean for my present, for my future? And that would be if you are a football player, a basketball player, or really anyone associated with a lot of teams that are in what is left of the carcass that is the Pac-12. This is Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio, ESPN App Series XM Channel 80. Kenny and Carlin, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. Alongside Randy Scott, I'm Michael Rothstein. We're filling in for Canty and Carlin today. And Randy, we've been talking about this all show long because it's the big news of the day. And let's just timeline this here really, really quickly. This morning it became kind of clear that Arizona was going to go to the Big 12. They had been accepted into the Big 12. So the Arizona Wildcats, Pac-10 to Big 12, coming soon to a conference near you. Then in the afternoon, Oregon and Washington decided that they are going to formally apply today for membership to the Big 10. That's according to sources. And a vote on Oregon and Washington's is expected to happen this evening. It is expected to be potentially unanimously agreed upon, which means the Ducks and the Huskies, the Pacific Northwest part of that, at least within the Pac-12, will now be heading to the Big 10, which is no longer your father or grandfather's (laughs) conference. It's now a nationwide (laughs) affair here. So... What does all of that mean, Randy Scott? Uh, other than it hurts my head, uh, where do you where, where where does this go next? I feel like there's so many different potential spots that we could be looking next in terms of the realignment uh, dominoes or boulders that keep falling and getting in the way of a whole bunch of other plans. I th- I think we I, let's start negatively because there is some negative to this and to show the sensitivity here to a conference in the Pac-12 that's been playing football for more than 100 years uh you 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 brought it up you said that the you look at the um at the years that the remaining four teams Stanford uh Oregon State Washington State um God, Lee, I'm, I'm blanking on on the others here. Cal, uh, Stanford, Cal, Oregon yeah. State, Washington State. Cal and Stanford right. and Washington State and Oregon State. Like when they joined the Pac-12 or you know the Pac Coast Conference, Pacific Coast Conference, you're going back more than a century. So showing sensitivity to that and that loss, you're also losing rivalries. Um, it sounds like Arizona State may follow Arizona into the Big 12. So maybe you you keep that intrastate rivalry going, but. You know, we've we've lost other games. We've lost, you know, Oregon and Oregon State. We've lost Washington and Washington State, the Apple Cup. Uh, the onus is no longer on athletic directors to adhere to tradition. The onus is to look out for the best financial future of your school. Washington State's left holding the bag here. We have a statement from them that uh, leads me to believe, I mean, this is from Kirk Schultz, who's the Washington Wazoo president and the director of athletics, Pat Chun. 
Uh, they say they're disappointed. They'd hoped that the membership Pac-12 would remain together. Uh, they acknowledge it's always an outcome. They're working for you know what's next for Washington State Athletics. Um, it doesn't sound like there is a plan, or else it would, yeah. be, it would be outlined right now. Um, so I, I want to. I guess I want to point out the fact that realignment is not the guaranteed death sentence for rivalry games the way that maybe some of these ADs would have you believe. It's an excuse, not a reason. Rob Guajaro over at the uh, TV side on SportsCenter uh, tweeted that. I can't take credit for it, but he's absolutely right because as a non-conference game now, Washington can still schedule Washington State and vice versa. Whether they'll do it or not, I don't know. It has to make sense financially, and it has to make sense with regard to strength of schedule. So I, I, I lament that because it puts the onus on people who are financially focused to do the right thing by their fans for non-financial reasons, and that just doesn't happen anymore in college football. That's the sad part for me. I, I totally understand that. and I'm a big believer that when big news like this happens, when there is size, to use your words from before, seismic shifts that are happening within college football, I want to understand it from a player's perspective. And we're very fortunate here on Canning and Carlin that our board op today, our guy who's on the ones and twos, Harry Black, also happened to play college football at Illinois, a school in the Big Ten. And, Harry, I, I want to get your kind of opinion on this. If you were, say, a freshman at Illinois at, and you at this time, so you knew at some point you would be playing UCLA, USC, Washington, Oregon, what would your reaction be today? How would you handle this? My reaction would probably be a pretty simplistic one, and that would be that I would be looking at the next four years, maybe not necessarily knowing what the schedule is going to look like after this year or the next, because I know that three, four years out, it's kind of, you know, you know, two, three teams that you might play and you have an idea of the conference teams you play. I would be looking at it, though, and I would be thinking, man, this is going to be so cool. I'm going to get to go to the Rose Bowl. I'm going to get to go to the Coliseum. They're going to come here. I'm going to go up to the Northwest schools that I had no idea I was going to get to go visit because that's one of the things as a college athlete that you really get to experience is just traveling to these different venues. The coolest part of being a college athlete for me was getting to go to Camp Randall. It was getting to go to the um, Memorial Stadium in Nebraska to see the traditions that these different teams have. So I think that if you were a freshman, you're looking at it right now, you're saying, wow, I am going to get to go to these other places I had no idea I was going to get to go to. Was there a play? I, you know, I'm just gonna kind of follow up. Was there a place, Harry, that you really wished you got a chance to play? Was it the Rose Bowl, for instance? Are, are there places that you wish you got you to got, go and play in? You got to play in Evanston, so that's cool. Yeah, I, that was that the was last, the dream. That, yeah, that was the dream right there. Was that the man. last yeah. game? That, that was my game? last game. It was 2016. Right. I don't know if you remember it at all, being a, a Wildcat alum, Randy. But we were yeah. down, I think, like 21 to zero. We made it 21 14, and mm-hmm. then there was a fumble return for a touchdown, and then you guys kind of ran away with it. Uh, so yeah, those games got kind of nutty. Yeah, it was not the greatest uh, greatest game, <laughs> and it was cold. And I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, I had cold. strep, and it was my last game. It oh. was just miserable all the way around. Oh, buddy, I'm sorry. But no, I would say probably if my favorite place that I visited was was probably Camp Randall because that place is a party the entire time. It is a party with a football game going on, like you know, nearby, and they are just having a blast. But if so I, fun. Yeah, if I were to say one place that I could have gone to that I didn't end up getting to go to, I mean, Pasadena is just, it. when I think college football, I think the Rose Bowl. So I would probably say that. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting that that's the case, and you got to wonder too for Big Ten teams, especially who that used to be kind of goal one B, right, Harry? Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, that, because goal one A was obviously always making the college football playoff, but goal one B was all right. If I'm not going to do that, I'm going to play in the Rose Bowl. Now that can be an every year occurrence, or every other year occurrence potentially, depending on how the scheduling goes. Well, what what I was going to say was that if you're going to go back historically as a Big Ten franchise or a yeah school, then <laughs> It really is. What's the word? They refer to um, Madison Square Garden as the mecca in basketball. Yeah. yeah. Pasadena is the mecca for Big Ten football, and it used to be for Pac-12 football because that means that yeah. you are Big Ten champions. You are at the Rose Bowl. That is just. It is probably like, and I'm. I get a little, you know, a little corny with this. Because no, I I'm get emotional big, about it, man. Yeah, with college football, I always look at the people talk about the bowl games, how they don't mean anything. I think a lot of bowl games don't mean anything. Let me get that out there. Don't name them. I em. think like the don't name them. I won't. I was, might, I was about to. Broadcast them. Don't name them. <laughs> all right, all right. But, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But when people say when people lump games like the Sugar Bowl, the Orange Bowl, and the Rose Bowl in there, I just roll my eyes and I say, no, those games mean something. Those games are for conference champions playing against each other to see who the you know the stronger conferences are. That's kind of going by the wayside these days, and that's unfortunate. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I agree with that. I want to say this just quickly about Pasadena. We haven't heard from the Rose Bowl yet, and I'm, I'm waiting to hear from either the, the trustees or the board or whatever it is out there because that history is almost as long and distinguished as the Pac-12s as well, and this could be a very sad day for that bowl game. That bowl game doesn't go anywhere. It's still a beautiful bowl game. It still has a tremendous history and a tremendous audience and price tag attached to it. It could just be now open to different schools. Yeah, we're going to find out because that's, again, like so many questions surrounding this. That's going to be yet another one One of the questions. What happens to the rules both as a bowl game and, frankly, as a venue as, as often as it is used? And I'll get to that in a second because this is Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio. It's presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Part of the Big Ten's hesitancy was they didn't want to be the ones to kill the Pac-12. Keep your eye on, on the ACC because there are some unhappy campers there. Big Ten presidents stated they wanted to maybe look a little more east in realignment. The Evil Empire usually reserved for <laughs> the New York Yankees when it comes to sports. But on this day, it feels like the Evil Empire resides in Illinois, and it resides wherever the Big 12 conference headquarters are because combined, those two schools have potentially decimated and ended a long-standing college conference that is the Pac-12. This is Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, as always presented by Progressive Insurance, alongside Randy Scott and Michael Rothstein. And we've been talking about the big news that is college football realignment once again popping up and we were talking about the Rose Bowl just before I want to throw this potential thing out there and I saw it on the social medias on Twitter X or Twix as as I'm gonna I think start oh, calling are you gonna it. call it a Twix I, I think I'm gonna call it Twix oh I like that I, which means that everything I I instead I'm gonna call tweets can you know candy bars or something yeah I do I, it I, candy I'm bars so, I'm more I Love candy bar that yeah I'm, I'm gonna workshop that Good. But it's it's in development. It's in development. It's in beta yes. testing. You know, Blue Sky was in beta testing and uh, they didn't quite get there fast enough. But <laughs> uh, not not to go down the social media conversation path too much. Uh, the thing when you look at the Rose Bowl is this, and again, I saw this on Twix, is that 
what happens if the Big Ten decides to go to 20 and then creates 10 team divisions and calls them the Big Ten and the Pac-10? And then the conference championship game ends up being at the Rose Bowl. Like that, to me, all of a sudden, you potentially preserve traditions in a very weird, backward, I don't want to call it underhanded, but different way. That that, to me, would be really interesting. And that leads in, Randy Scott, to our next topic, which is, what could the future of the college football playoff look like? If there is that type of conference championship game, would that even matter? I don't know that it would matter. Harry, go ahead. You you heard Rose Bowl and something peaked up. So. Yeah. Um, Rothstein, in this situation, yeah. would the conference championship then be back in Pasadena? Because that would be the coolest thing, in my opinion. That, well, that that's what I'm saying, is that that's, it, like I said, I saw this on, on social media. I don't remember who I saw it from, so I apologize. If you were listening, I want to give you all the credit. I am just blanking out at the moment because I saw it like an hour and a half ago, and I didn't do a good job bookmarking it. No, but no. The, but it would be... The Big Ten, the Pac-10, and then the winners it would play a conference championship game in Pasadena at the Rose Bowl, which I think would be a very nice way to be an homage to the mm-hmm. old college football ways and traditions while also acknowledging the new realities. Harry, you got something on that? Or well, no? I just think that I, would be the coolest thing because, yeah. I mean, let's be honest, if you are going to bring all those teams over from the Pac-12, it's essentially just going to be those – that that would be a good way of keeping the tradition alive because, let's be honest, the tradition of the Big Ten championship game in Indianapolis is a <laughs> new one, and it's not a great one. So, it's a <laughs> tradition of blowouts there, Harry Black. <laughs> uh, yeah, tradition of the East absolutely destroying the West and it never actually being close. So okay, I think I think one thing we're we're, we're losing track of and has been watered down uh, because of the expansion already uh, by the Big Ten. I mean, they added USC and UCLA last year. It was July, I think, of last year um, to be played in in twenty twenty four. But uh, geographically, traditionally, you're talking about a time of year, January, and I guess in this case, December for the conference championship game, where flyover states uh, from from Happy Valley uh, in the east uh, at the time, west to what uh, Minneapolis I guess in in Minnesota like those that area of the country is 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 cold and wants to get out to sunny California right I mean that it yeah. is it is a way of getting those fan bases that money and that recruitment out to the west coast so to do that on a championship game level would be fantastic it would double the representation of the Big 10 out west what we have now though with the Big 10 are four West Coast teams. It's going to be like a Western branch, like a Western regional uh, office, like we talk about, you know, assistant to the regional manager. And, <laughs> and, I, and, and I see that with UW, I see that with Oregon, and obviously you see that with UCLA, which would be playing a, a home game in Pasadena if they're the representative out there. I mean, so Dwight Schrute's going to run the, the Western branch then? He's going, to run, he's going to run the L.A. office? Identity theft is not a joke, Jim. <laughs> yes. well, but, but again, if they go to 20, then that opens the door for – if the Oregon legislature and the Washington legislature try to push Oregon State and Washington State through, or maybe Cal and Stanford are able to go, and then you save two more teams from the dwindling Pac-12. And when I, you hear me mention legislature, and you probably roll your eyes, if you remember way, way back in 2003 when the first kind of conference maneuvering, we'll call it, really happened, when Miami went to from the Big East to the ACC, there was questions about whether Boston College and Syracuse would go, and Virginia and Virginia Tech made it clear that Virginia Tech wanted to go, and Virginia's governor got involved, got heavily involved. That helped sway getting Virginia Tech 
to the ACC instead of Syracuse. So it has happened before, but of course the legislature and political potentially pressure would have to be involved there too. And I don't know if that will happen, but again, that's another thing that we can look at is this is all still a very new story. That's only hours old. But what Randy, when we're talking about the college football playoff, like where do we, yeah. like, where do you go? Okay. Because I know that that's something that's really important to you where you want to go. So where do it we is, go? It is. So right now for 2024, we're going to have 12 teams. We're going to have four teams with a bye, and that leaves eight spots. As it stands, each of the six conferences send their conference champion to the 12-team playoff. The top four end up uh, with, with the bye from the jump. That's what we know. All right, the six highest-rated conference champions and the six highest-rated at-large teams, top four seeds would be the four highest-rated conference champions. Do we have, in this new climate that we're looking at with the death of the Pac-12, do we have four conferences with a champion worthy of sending? Okay, I think about it right now. SEC, yeah. Big 12, yes. And Big 10, yes. Is the ACC the fourth? Okay. Are they? Probably right now. Probably right now. Okay, Clemson, Florida State, who are both trying to get out of the ACC. Miami's in that conference still, too. In their own head, they're a a conference champion candidate, sure. But, But you're right, they're still in that conference. I'm just... Like that's that's already already from the jump. We're having a little bit of a discussion and getting to four conference champions who could fill those four spots and get a bye. And then you're looking at eight more spots. So truly, if we're talking about now after the addition of Washington and Oregon and USC and UCLA to the Big Ten, we're talking about an 18 team conference. To me, the Big Ten gets two representatives in this game at the very least, maybe three. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. No. Ready, please I was going to say not in the game, in the, in the college football playoff. Oh. So I think well, a quarter of the 12 spots potentially are made up by the Big Ten. Potentially. I mean, again, I, I still think they should not call themselves the Big Ten anymore. They need to be called the big, you know, the big quarter pounder or the big McNugget or the big Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich or whatever it is that's going to eventually get sponsored. It's going to get sponsored, yeah. It, it's absolutely. It's, but but uh, we're talking about 18, and, and I keep going back in this. is like, okay, if you want nine – conference games or you want to say you have nine conference games so you're gonna have one crossover like is that what's gonna happen or are you gonna eventually have to go to 20 right like that that that's what we're asking now or do they say we're gonna do 10 conference games and then you have two crossovers or again you go to 20 teams to me 20 seems like this number that they're gonna get to but then who do you add after the fact maybe it's uva it sounds like Virginia is. I mean, we've heard Pete Thamel say that Virginia is kind of a coveted uh, market. So maybe it's it's maybe but it's then, Virginia and Virginia Tech, you know, potentially. Or but again, the news maybe it's Cal and Stanford, and you build a six-team Western Western deal, or maybe it's Washington State and Oregon State. Like you know, there are so many questions there. And the other thing too, when you're talking about the Big Ten or Big McNugget, whatever it is specifically, is there's a premium on having schools that are in the AAU or has been at least in the past and that has mattered to them so there has to be an academic level of reputation there as well so it's going to be something really interesting to watch as we're kind of going through all of that coming up next we're going to go from realignment to a position that would maybe like to be realigned at least in how they're envisioned within the NFL that's running backs this is Kenny and Carlin on ESPN radio this is the Canty and Carlin podcast
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. the Big Ten's hesitancy was they didn't want to be the ones to kill the Pac-12. Keep your eye on, on the ACC because there are some unhappy campers there. Big Ten presidents stated they wanted to maybe look a little more east in realignment. I think a marching band when I hear this. I think of excitement. I think of pageantry. I think of tailgating. I think a beer that I don't drink. I think a college football, because this is the sounds of college football. And this is Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Alongside Randy Scott, I'm Michael Rothstein. And breaking news here, as we've been talking about for the past few hours, it is now official. Oregon and Washington finalizing a deal to join the Big Ten. So that is happening. That is done. That is according to sources. The Pac-12 seems like they are very much close to being no more. The Big 12 is coming closer and closer if they are not already a behemoth <laughs> in the college <laughs> sports. And that is that. I, I feel like somewhere Jim Delaney is smiling because he is the one who started all of this a long, long and multiple commissioners ago, Randy Scott. <laughs> I mean, we've been leading to this all day, right? I didn't know if it was going to happen when we were going to be on air or not, but it is now seemingly official. Oregon and Washington will be joining their old friends, UCLA and USC, in the Western world that is the new Big Ten. Uh, yeah, seeing it up there on the Graphic Sports Center, we have the you know the monitors on uh, here in the radio studio, and we got the, uh, the Sports Center graphic showing all 18 teams. And first of all, you see some of the – just school logos, and these are iconic logos. I mean, the Oregon O is iconic. That's Nike and Phil Knight and, you know, crazy uniforms and crazy loud Austin Stadium. Uh, there's the University of Washington right below or rather above uh, alphabetically the University of Wisconsin that's up there on the board. Um, and then, you know, I my eyes go to little old Northwestern, and I'm like, man, it's the, 
It's the spo- it's it's the Sesame Street game of you know one of these things <laughs> is not like the other, one of these things just doesn't, doesn't belong. belong. Yeah, so uh, I I say all that to say it's 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 dizzying. It really is. Um, it's been the word of the day. It's crazy to look at an eighteen team college football conference, and um, this is just how quickly we move and 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 start thinking ahead to you know playoff implications moving forward because I, the op- object and the idea of fairness. To say the Big Ten, hey, you only get one guaranteed team into a 12-team playoff when you make up 18 Power 5 programs, like, it doesn't add up to me. Well, here, here you're right, but here's the other thing. I just thought of this. You know, the, the whole thing with college football used to be Pac-12 after dark. Like, I remember when I was covering Notre Dame, you'd, yeah. you'd get home, or, you know, I lived in Fort Wayne, but i go up to Chicago a lot. You'd get home, or you'd get back to Chicago, it'd be just in time for that USC-Fresno State game, which obviously was not a conference game, but it was like USC-Oregon. Well, guess what? Now you could potentially have Michigan versus Washington in Pac-12 or Big Ten's Western game after I don't even know what to call it after dark started <laughs> like but think about this now think yeah. about this in terms of because I cover the NFL and you have East Coast West Coast games you could have a team on the Eastern time zone getting ready to play a game at essentially 11 p.m. at night to their local time out on the West Coast similarly you could have a West Coast team getting ready to play a conference game at nine in the morning their time mentally that's gonna be hard on athletes yeah I, it is. It, we, we have to, at some point, I, I don't roll my eyes at the concern over the student-athlete. I don't, I promise. At some point, we do have to stop worrying about the logistics. Well, I don't want to say worrying. They're going to make it work. They're going to fly privately. Harry, did you fly private at the University of Illinois? 100% private. 100%. Like, they'll make it as comfortable as possible. What jumped out to me were the financial implications because University of Washington and Oregon reports are they're not going to have an equal revenue share coming over to the Big Ten. I'm sure that'll be something that sorts itself out moving forward, but they're not going to have it from the jump. So let's say Ohio State goes to the college football playoff. That money gets split among these 18 schools, and you're telling me that schools like you know Northwestern and Iowa and Rutgers and Maryland and schools that don't win a ton of football games. All right, Iowa does, but... You know, like those schools are going to have more money than Oregon and Washington. Like my, Michael, some of this stuff doesn't doesn't work out, and I, I I do wonder how they'll limit the travel impact on the athlete. But I don't think that's going to be of chief concern for a lot of these higher ups. Well, maybe not for football, but I'll tell you, the volleyball team, the women's soccer team, the men's soccer team, the field well field hockey may go out to the West Coast, maybe not lacrosse. Baseball, softball, those teams are going to care because those teams are not flying private. Yeah. Now maybe they'll right. have to. Right. Maybe they'll have to charter. Now if they're going to the West Coast, and I would hope that the Big Ten Conference would figure something out where you know what if if you're taking a West Coast swing or West Coast trip, we're going to make sure you charter no matter the sport. Uh, but yeah, that's to me a concern. I look at it because I when I was at Syracuse, I worked with the field hockey team there, and, and we would travel on buses. Like that's not an option for a lot of these games anymore in a lot of these conferences, and that, that gets expensive, and that comes into budgets, and, and it's a whole thing. Pete Thamel, ESPN's college football insider, was on the 6 o'clock Sports Center. He explained why Oregon specifically was focused on the Big Ten. Look, it's a seismic shift in the conference landscape, and uh, when we woke up this morning, Oregon was sort of viewed as the linchpin of the Pac-12's future. There was some quiet momentum where if they had stayed in the Pac-12, the league league might have forged on with its Apple primary streaming television deal. 
uh, Oregon was in negotiations the whole time, and they ended up uh, playing hardball with the Big Ten a little bit, got a little more money, and they in Washington, uh, a few hours later, were fully engaged, and then finally did do the application for membership, which again, started this process where we are. But uh, Oregon and Washington, two teams that have made the college football playoff in the last decade, headed to the Big Ten. They they are headed there, Randy Scott. They, they are. <laughs> I, I Man, I don't know what this playoff's going to look like. I, I'm just really fascinated by it. Tune into an NOS battle Sunday as the Padres host the Dodgers. Coverage of Sunday Night Baseball begins at 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, and at 7 p.m. on ESPN. Coming up next, Randy will give you the play of the night, and I promise it will not have anything to do with college football. And then we'll go <laughs> three and out. This is Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is time. I'm going to make the people money. Are you ready, Michael Rothstein? I, I am ready here on Kenny and Carl and Randy Scott. I'm ready for because I can't do it. I, I have I, I can't. I just can't. I'm not I don't want uh, I don't want that responsibility. So I'm handing it off. I got to you. you. I got you. Listen, Parlay Icarus flew a little too close to the sun. OK, we only got three <laughs> out of five yesterday. Ruining it were the Houston Astros. Uh, actually, I think we were four out of five. So okay, four out of five, fine. Doesn't get you anything in a parlay. So we're gonna get the people some money today. We got a five leg parlay. You're like, why are you going back to the well? And I say because there's water down there somewhere, baby. We got it. All right, we're gonna we're gonna pick good teams against bad teams. I feel like it's a good way to make a living. So we're gonna go money line as follows: Orioles money line at home against the Mets. The Mets are reeling, reeling. Rangers money line at home against the uh, against the Marlins. Marlins are frisky. Rangers are better at home. Brewers at home against the Pirates. Again, good team over bad. Home teams against bad teams. So those are the money lines. Now, Aaron Nola, six or more strikeouts at home against the Royals. Royals are one of the worst hitting teams in baseball. Aaron Nola's at home. Aaron Nola's a strikeout specialist. I'm doing that. Plus the Rangers-Marlins over eight and a half runs. 
I feel like the Rangers can get there on their own. I think they lead the American League in double-digit run games this season. I think uh, I think the over cashes. You bet ten bucks, you win one hundred and twenty-six dollars and eighteen cents. It's plus eleven sixty-two. All right, Daddy's giving you some tips. I think you take it to the bank. Let's go. Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is three and out. So, Randy Scott, you know that I cover boxing for us here at ESPN, along with covering the Atlanta Falcons and some other stuff. And while last weekend gave us Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence, at least in the lead-up to the fight, the fight of the year, and then Terrence Crawford dominated Errol Spence, this Saturday gives us another interesting fight. Jake Paul getting back into the ring for the first time since he lost to Tommy Fury. He's going to fight MMA legend Nate Diaz. That's a main event in Dallas, Texas. You can watch it on ESPN Plus pay-per-view tomorrow night starting at 8. Who do you like in this fight? Uh, I, I like I like Jake Paul, which is crazy. But <laughs> it, I'm trying to think of a, a proper I'm trying to think of a proper equation here. It's like uh, is it kind of like fighting a shark on land? Like you're taking <laughs> you're taking Nate Diaz, and you're taking him away from a lot of what makes him Nate Diaz, right? Like yeah. Nate, Nate Nate Diaz, one of his one of the best wins of his career. He beat Conor McGregor. He submitted Conor McGregor. You can't get in there and submit Jake Paul. Like you're you're stepping into what Jake Paul is good at, and I now and, and I say that as a as a um, as a boxing neophyte, but like Jake Paul has impressed me as a boxer. What about you? You're around the sport far more. Yeah, than I am. people forget. People like to knock Jake Paul here. People forget Jake Paul is like a handful of fights. Period. The majority of pro boxers who have many extensive amateur careers before this, which Jake Paul did not have. Yeah, their first five fights are against people who are like have three fights or they're like three and 20. Like that's what happens here. Jake Paul is fighting people who have a lot of experience, even if it's not a lot of boxing well, experience. So yeah. I, I, I like Jake here also over an ATS. He's a heavy want, favorite. He is. I want to point out two other things on this card. I cover women's boxing a lot here as well. Amanda Serrano, who's our number three pound for pound boxer at ESPN. She's fighting Heather Hardy. I wrote a story about the two of them. They were go back to the days when they were making $50 a round, having to sell tickets for their own fights everywhere. They are fighting on the undercard here. That's going to be a high action fight. If you like high action, watch Serrano Hardy. And in my opinion, the biggest puncher in women's boxing is a woman named Shadeja Green. She's fighting Olivia Curry also on that undercard. It's it's a fun card, honestly, Randy Scott. It really is. Well, I going just to the very main event of the card, at the top of the card, I think Jake Paul has been very smart about the people that he has fought. Like, listen, he beat a basketball player. He beat Nate Robinson. He beat Ben Askren. Uh, ben Askren got one taste of that right hand and was like, I don't want this. He knocked yeah. out Woodley, yeah. But again, you're taking UFC fighters and you're putting them – you know, almost literally with an arm behind their back. They're not allowed to, to use a lot of the skill set that made them who they are in their chosen discipline. And Nate yeah. Diaz can take a punch, absolutely. But Nate Diaz isn't wearing the, what, six-ounce, you know, uh, four-ounce, three-ounce, whatever, whatever UFC boxers wear in terms of their gloves. Like, he's got to be in there with a boxing, you know, specialist, so to speak. And it's going to be a fish-out-of-water element, I worry. And I worry about Nate's conditioning and I worry about a guy who does admittedly take a little bit of time to warm up in a fight, you know, getting getting caught clean 
by Jake early on. So yeah, it's we'll going to be fascinating. We'll I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it from one potential comeback because Jake Paul is coming off a loss to an actual comeback. Simone Biles is competing this weekend in gymnastics for the first time since the Tokyo Olympics. There's a clip on Twix today, that's Twitter slash X, that has gone viral of what I believe it was a double pike where she got extra air. It, it was unbelievable. You you excited about this, Randy? In terms of Simone Biles, for a while was the face of gymnastics in the United States and arguably the world. I I'm excited about it because I think she is a star that elevates the sport. She's a star that elevates our country's representation in the sport and just representation in sports overall. Um, over the last, you know, since the last Olympic Games, my daughter has gotten into gymnastics. I have a vested interest in the United States being good at it because I want my daughter to remain interested in it. My daughter knows who Simone Biles is. The list of professional athletes where that's the case is not a long one for my <laughs> eight-year-old daughter. Um, I, I think anytime she can see someone do something at a high level that she herself is interested in, uh, my daughter's not alone in that. There are generations of American girls who want to uh, watch us succeed at gymnastics, and Simone Biles does that. Yeah, she absolutely does. She'll be competing in the Chicago area this weekend. And lastly, from one all-time great to another, Lionel Messi has been dominating MLS so far. And his coach kind of threw out there, hey, you know, what they saw in terms of the kind of, I guess, physical nature on Messi and what how Messi responded – he said it's a warning to Miami's opponents from here on out. Like, I mean, really, can anything else be a warning other than what Lionel Messi has done so far in MLS? I mean, five goals in three matches, and none of them have been, let's be clear, none of them in MLS matches, so they don't count yeah. toward the standings where Miami is still the worst team in their conference. Actually, I believe in all of MLS, but you cannot deny the impact he's had. You cannot deny the fact that he's already the rising tide that has lifted this Miami boat. No doubt. I mean, listen, Lionel, Lionel Messi is, I think, a little bit different than when Beckham came over, than when Terry, Terry Henry came over, because those guys were clearly at the very, when Wayne Rooney came over, back, back end of their careers. Lionel Messi is showing he still has a lot left in him, and I'm excited to see what this is going to look like over the next, oh, I don't know, Randy, two, three, four years. Like, we could see him really chasing some big-time stuff in terms of goals scored based on the current pace he's on. Yeah. No, it could be historic. He's not going to win the Golden Boot. I think there's too much time, but still, it's fun to watch. Uh, absolutely. Coming up next, Joe and Amber. This was Kenny Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and SiriusXM Channel 80. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin Podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.